tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. Come on to the podcast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. Oh, and we'll fiercely debate action movies set during Christmas. Yippee-ki-yay. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 221st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. We're the internet's premier podcast for bad movies. Well, not tonight because these movies are great and mostly good beer. Tonight we have a very special Christmas-themed episode to conclude Season 5. It is our super violent, super cool Christmas movie debate, Die Hard versus Lethal Weapon. Now, listeners, we are not debating which movie is better, though the answer to that is very clear. But rather, we are debating which is the better Christmas movie. I am your shamefully stuck-in-an-air-duct toast, the Thunder's Wizard. And along with me tonight for this high-stakes battle of holiday wits are the man who is way too old for this shit, Bling Blake. You keep talking like that, and you're not going to get invited to Christmas dinner. Sounds like my luck is improving. <laughs> and we've also got a special guest tonight, longtime friend of the pod, and frequent co-host, the J-Man, from, uh, well, formerly the Double Turn, but also Tormenting Tarmac podcast. Season's greetings, fellas. Season's greetings. It's great to see you both. J-Man in the house. You already know it, baby. Happy holidays. You know, we're just post-Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah. And then, what, a few days before Christmas, right? So Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Happy Kwanzaa. Shout out Jack to Samich, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, all the things, man. Good to you have you love here, it, buddy. Man. It's always a great, it's always great to see you. I see Tom all the time at work and I bug him. And so when I go ahead and get a chance to go ahead and come on the pod, it's just a little bit extra like oomphness of like, all right, let's make Tom's life miserable once more. Which is <laughs> <laughs> really what we all live for anyway. Absolutely. All right. So points of order, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. J-Man, why don't you drop some plugs for yourself before we get into this debate? We are finishing up uh, the Double Turn podcast series. It's been a real treat to go ahead and do it for such a long time. The catalog is still out there, and you can go ahead and find it at the Double Turn podcast streaming on most platforms. The Instagram account isn't really that active anymore, but Twitter is. So you can go ahead and find it at TDT Wrestling Pod on Twitter, and then it's T-Dubs went ahead and eloquently mentioned earlier, uh, We I started a brand new series based on car, car culture, excuse me, and it's called Tormenting Tarmac, and that's streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and all that good stuff, and we're available on Instagram as well at Tormenting Tarmac. If you're into anything about cars, car culture, I do a lot of like fun stuff with movies about cars because obviously I have a thing for that, so if you're into any of it, please go ahead and give us a follow and give us a listen. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. All right, so these two movies, both available to rent for $3.99 across platforms. Die Hard used to be free, but if you've been paying attention, it's in movie theaters right now. So if you can see it in a theater, I recommend it. I did it the other night. I'd never seen Die Hard in a theater. I love that movie. So great experience for me. Um, 
Here are the ground rules for this debate. So I'm team diehard, the J-man, and Bling Blake will be team lethal weapon. So we're going to have round one. We're going to assess the merits for each of these films actually being called a Christmas movie. Round two, we will then present our irrefutable, in air quotes, evidence that our movie is the better Christmas movie. So what are the reasons we think it's the better one? Why is it the better one? Et cetera. Okay. Now we're going to talk beer. Both Bling Blake and I as separate factions have chosen a beer. I myself chose Victory's Merry Monkey, which is a Belgian style ale with a Captain Cash approved 10% ABV. And it's got notes of cranberry, orange peel, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Um, how many movies? Well, this is tough. This is this is a high percent for the old thunderous wizard and his sensitive tum-tum. So, you know, if I was stuck alone in Nakatomi Plaza and I had to put a few of these back before I decided to jump off the roof, I'd still only give it one movie. It's just too much for me. Bling Blake, man, what do you have on your end? Man, I thought for sure you were going to win the uh, the battle of the beers tonight because... While originally I, I wanted to get the, the victory with you just because of the you know implications that it was in fact victorious because I'm going to be later tonight. No, you, you can't and steal I, the wordplay that I cleverly chose as I selected this Christmas beer. Yeah, that's bowl tookie. But uh, I did get uh, the Abita Christmas sale. In fact, I went to my, my local shop here, my boy Hirsch. Uh, he sold the last six pack of the victory uh, Christmas beer earlier in the day i was pretty crushed so i got the abita christmas ale it is they call it a brown ale so i was expecting a lot of like nutty earthy well, i mean not earthy but certainly a, a malty beer and it's just kind of a boring brown ipa if i'm being honest uh it's fine it's 5.8 percent, so you can drink plenty of them if you want it's not an offensive flavor but it's of all the christmas beers we've had in the last month or so it's definitely not really blowing my skirt up uh as it were so i'll give it one and a half bad movies it's not bad it's just not that great it's okay fine. so again like you're a bigger christmas flavored beer than me so going in i knew i was not gonna probably like this that much there's just way too much shit going on in there for me uh uses what i like about a christmas beer is that it has some complexity and you get to play with it a little bit and that's kind of fun whereas this this abita is just i don't know it's boring can i give a quick shout out to a beer real quick i know yeah. it, 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 most people that listen if you've heard me i i'm i'm not a i don't i don't drink but um there are a couple of ones that i've tasted in the past and i'll give a shout out to my brother-in-law who works out at sierra nevada so shout out to sierra nevada brewing um, they got their celebration ale that's available out there right now. And I have tasted uh, some of the Sierra Nevadas and they're very tasty. So if you're in the mood for one and it's out at your local shop, go ahead and grab a celebration ale. I think it's a terrific beer. Sierra Nevada's cool. They got some dope stuff. So I'll go ahead and put it out there. And I'm sure that you might be able to enjoy like at least probably like a couple movies down Easy. in some Sierra Nevadas. I right? love We've celebration. Are, yeah. You guys have done Sierra Nevadas on the pod before. They're tasty. Yeah, for sure. In fact, yeah. one of the things we talked about was was getting whatever their their this year's Christmas ale or or seasonal mm -hmm. ale was or beer. We weren't able to make that happen tonight, but I'm a 
I'm a huge fan of the Sierra Nevada seasonals. They're always good beers. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they are. And uh, again, and check out their brewery in Asheville. It's sick. It's freaking ridiculous from what I hear, dude. It's, it's really, really, cool. really nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Die Hard Lethal Weapon. Let's go through the basics just to introduce these films. We're not doing the plots tonight uh, because that'd be a lot of plot for one pod, two movies. But uh, I mean, Die Hard. Is it really? We could probably get through those plots pretty quickly. I mean, you're going to get the gist of it anyway. Bad so guys I, do bad bad things. Good guys yeah. save the day. I will yeah. say this. The plot of Die Hard, uh, as absurd as it is, much more believable than the plot of Lethal Weapon. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> What's so weird about a bunch of ex-Vietnam vets uh, creating a heroin trade and killing everybody in L.A.? Yeah, and, and seemingly just not, you know, getting away with whatever they want and operating what? out of a shitty dance club that's open at all hours of the day. Hey man, and Mel, just... and what is it? Mel Gibson just running down the one. Is it the one on one freeway? Just, yeah. Just with an automatic after he got weapon? electrocuted. Oh, yeah. He, after he got electrocuted for like five hours straight. Oh, he that's a, by so many more cars. Our boy, yeah. the, the, the greatest uh, spot, bad guy of the eighties in both movies. So, Oh, man. Ali, Ali it's all so good. Always good to see Ali Ong. Uh, he's got great roles in both. No, no candy bar theft in, in my movie, but yeah. always good to see him. Although interesting that, that Mel Gibson, who now we know is sort of an unrepentant bigot, uses the racial slur against him in, in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> he does just throw it right out, like really it's quick. like, all right. right, buddy, I don't think that's necessary. I, I know he's about that's... to torture you, but come on. <laughs> Come on, man! Like your your partner and new best friend is is a black man. Like you can't just yeah. say things like dirty, that. dirty yeah. pool rigs. Um, yeah, man, be sensitive. So, Die Hard, directed by pod favorite and frequent appearer John McTiernan. You may remember him from Rollerball fame. Uh, stars Bruce Bruno Willis as John McClane, Alan Snape Rickman in his first major film as Hans Gruber, Reginald Family Matters Phil Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell, Bonnie Bedelia as Holly McClane or Holly Gennaro. And then we get some great turns from Paul, the Breakfast Club Gleason as Dwayne T. Robinson, Hart PCU Bachner as Ellis, and William, this man has no penis, Atherton as Thornburg. Lethal Weapon, uh, equally great pedigree, directed by the late, great Richard Donner, stars Mel, big old bigot Gibson as Martin Riggs. Really? You can't even give him, like, you, you can't even give him Mel Mad Max Gibson? It's Martin tough. Riggs? Like, I love You're just being mean at this point. You I love Mel Gibson, but the the incidents were bad. And now that he's like a hero of the far right, it's even worse. It is sad. It's just like, I can't, I can't, dude. But he did like, a lot for racial equality in the 80s and 90s by, by you know, really promoting the buddy cop franchise. Oh, by, you know, by fighting people yeah. who weren't South African and lethal he weapon. Far, yeah, and... he, he ended apartheid all by himself. <laughs> you know, you know what I never know. I mean, I probably did notice it about about Lethal Weapon is that they have the end apartheid sticker on the fridge. And it's like, did they have a script for Lethal Weapon two basically figured out? I mean, that's giving that's giving recent UCLA grad Shane Black a lot of credit. Well, you know, his script for Lethal Weapon two is super duper dark. His script for Lethal, Weapon, Lethal Weapon one is super duper dark. Well, yeah. it was it was darker, and he hates yeah. what they turned Riggs into after Lethal Weapon one. Yeah. yeah, he has got a bit of a caricature. Right. And and not to go too far off, but I think that I'll, I'll give I, and I don't know this for a fact, but I'll definitely go ahead and probably give a lot of credit to that to Danny Glover um, for obvious reasons. Um, 
I mean, if you look at all four of the Lethal Weapon movies, um, his 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 character arches and the things that go along with him in all four of the movies, you know, in Lethal Weapon, yeah, he's he's too old for that. But then in Lethal Weapon two, he's ending apartheid. In Lethal Weapon three, you know, his son Nick's uh, friend, he accidentally kills him, you know, in gang warfare, right? And then in Lethal Weapon four, he's helping the Chinese immigrants that are coming over, like he, you know, hosts them at his house and whatnot. And so he was always that guy. You know, Roger Murtaugh is that special character who, yeah, we focus on Riggs a lot, but Murtaugh needs to be given so much credit because he's not just a family man, but he was a man who wanted to end the injustices out there. And he was he was a cop's cop. He was being a cop for the good, valid reasons. And that's well, what I, makes I, yeah. Roger Murtaugh such a great character. You know I, I mean? don't think it's even debatable which character has aged better and which character is, of course, the much more like aspirational figure in the series. Because Riggs is sort of a nightmare human being who's all about just murdering people indiscriminately. It's like it's cool because this is how you get shit done, right? We'll get into what makes the, what makes this such a Christmas movie, but most of it is the redemption arc of Riggs. So we'll, let's get okay. to that right. later. So but you're not we, wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. Murtaugh's great. We love Murtaugh. He's the best dad in the world. As the J-Man mentioned, we got Danny Glover as Murtaugh. We got Mitchell, Dharma, and Greg Ryan as the general. And Gary, silver bullet, Busey as Joshua. Mr. God, he's Joshua. so good. He's so good. I love Busey. He's great. Um, obviously, again, we're not debating whether these were flops. They most certainly were not. They were both immensely successful. And Critical Darlings. That spawned multiple sequels. One of each series did appear on this show. We did Lethal Weapon 4 way back in the day with the J-Man. And we did A Good Day to Die Hard last season. Uh, Both of those movies, the worst of the series, I would say. Maybe not Lethal Weapon 4. You could say 3 is the worst. It's debatable. But A Good Day to Die Hard, there is no debate. That movie sucks. Yeah, uh, live, live free or die hard is also one that people don't like that it's much. The one with I like Justin that Long, yeah, yeah, I like that yeah. one way better than the only than reason that one isn't as good is because they went soft and they're like, no, we'll make it PG 13. It's like, no, you, you just but there's don't an, do that. Yeah, T dubs, isn't there an unrated version of live free or die hard? I'm yeah, sure there but is, it's, isn't it's still like two, it's not that it's still yeah. mild. Yeah, fun fact, Jay man, uh, mm-hmm. T dubs walked into my house a few months ago. And he saw my office and immediately referred to it. He said, is this, is this your command center? And I, <laughs> I laughed. It's so good. I love command that. center. <laughs> Here's what I will say about, and I've made this case for Die Hard for forever and a day. And now that I have a platform to actually talk about this for one hot second, I'm going to do so. Never in the history of Hollywood has there been a franchise which has come up with some of the greatest titles for their movies and movie sequels in the history of life? If I may, you get Die Hard, then you get Die Hard 2, Die Harder, then you get Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then you get super creative with the last two, even though, again, we just talked about the fourth and fifth one aren't that great, but just the titles themselves, you get live free or die hard. And then a good day to die hard. Like, come on, dude. Like it's not even fair. And as a Spanish, as the, as the resident Spanish speaking individual on the podcast here tonight, I can say 
that they translate so good in Spanish too. God, I'm just, I needed to get that out there. I've been waiting for 10 years to get a platform to be able to go ahead and say that. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. And, and obviously Lethal Weapon does not get creative, but that's neither no. here nor there. Um, the curious thing about both these movies, which we're debating as Christmas movies, neither was released during the Christmas season. Die Hard came out July 22nd, 1988. Lethal Weapon came out March 6th, 1987. Mm -hmm. Regardless of all that, we're going to uh, do our one-sentence descriptions, but we're going to begin with IMDb's this time, which is unusual for me. I usually do the sentence first. So here's Die Hard's. A New York City police officer tries to save his estranged wife and several others taken hostage by terrorists during a Christmas party at the Nakatomi Plaza in Los Angeles. That's Die Hard. Lethal Weapon is two newly paired cops who are complete opposites must put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of drug smugglers. Now, I don't want to at Christmas. To, I don't have to point this out, Blink Blake, but IMDb has already given me a leg up with their own descriptions. Oh, oh, so the, today is the day we're going to hang our hat on IMDb's descriptions. This is what we call uh <laughs> fucking war. Recency bias. Yeah, <laughs> if it works today, it's, it works. It's a great case of picking and choosing their T-dubs. Yeah. Really cute. Yeah. Uh, good job. So, Team Lethal Weapon, the floor is yours. One sentence descriptions. Oh, and by the way, those one sentence descriptions must include a reference to the holidays in them. Oh, of course. B buckle up, buddy, because J-Man has got a banger for you. Okay, here we go. Mullets, bullets, holiday cheer. Lethal Weapon is a goaded Chris movie. Christmas movie. Here, here. Boom. Oh, wow. That could have been a song in that Ryan Reynolds. Uh, drop. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, movie. Uh, sometimes it just hits me, T-Dubs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bling Blake. I don't think you're going to top that. So... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were doing. I thought we were just doing team ones. You want? Oh, you, want you, my... you can take that one. I can do mine. Yeah. I, I mean, we... I've I've got one for you. He's, I mean, he, it was really good. Okay, Blake. let's hear I, yours. I, I'm I'm supportive of it. Go ahead. All right, here's the one that I came up with. I still like J Man's better, but here's mine. This seminal '80s buddy cop action flick is the perfect blend of bullets, heart, and holiday cheer. Yeah, that was weak. You should have left that in the closet. Uh, here's. <laughs> Here's mine. Just, just like middle school for you. Yeah. Here, here's mine. Looking to rekindle his marriage, Detective John McClane heads to LA to meet up with his estranged wife at her company's annual holiday party. But ho, ho, no. Some terrorists with a dearth of Christmas cheer spoil their reunion, leaving the beleaguered paramour to fight not only for his marriage, but for the lives of all the hostages. Oh, my God. How many commas did you use? I. Probably I your used, annual allotment for sure. That is, I used that is every definition of trick in the book to make that a sentence. Okay. <laughs> if that wasn't a run on sentence, T dubs, I don't know what is, brother. There there was at least one semicolon, it four works. commas. Yeah. Maybe, it uh, all maybe works. a parenthetical in the middle there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here is round one. And this is the okay. the merits of the movie as a Christmas movie, the merits of of each of these films. Okay. So we're going to go through these as teams. Uh, number one being Christmas movies typically revolve around themes of joy, family, holiday spirit. Are each of these present in our films? If so, how? Would you guys like to lead off? 
Yeah, we can lead off. Let's go. Let's let's do this, Blake. Let's let, let's let's work on this together. I think what's the first thing that you have to realize about the greatness of the Lethal Weapon franchise, in particular, to when it comes to Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh, is we see them become a family unit right by the end of that film, and not to mention acceptance of one another. And when you are in the holiday spirit. You're accepting of someone regardless of their flaws. Now, what are the flaws that Martin Riggs has as a human being? Well, there's many. First of all, he's a psychotic, he's a psychopath, right? We know this. Well, let's, let's, I, you know what? I actually kind of want to take a, t- t- take a break on that. I mean. Okay, that's fair. Go ahead. I, I think, I think psychopath psychotic is reductionist at best, right? Like sure. we're dealing with a man who just lost his wife. True. Seemingly and, several months earlier in a in a tragic car accident and heavy PTSD. He's got crazy PTSD. He's been he's been murking fools since he was 19 years old doing black ops in Laos, Cambodia. I mean, the guy is is riddled with PTSD. And then you compound that with the grief of losing his wife. And we all know that there's not a secret that that the holidays are a really tough time for people that are dealing with loss. And so I think that is a huge factor. And I think we'll kind of get to more of this uh, in, in future questions, but that's huge. But getting into joy, family, and the holiday spirit, obviously, I mean, holiday spirit, the movie starts with Jingle Bell Rock. Uh, we meet Martin Riggs on a Christmas tree lot. You don't get much more holiday spirit than that. It is a buddy cop action comedy although i would argue that lethal weapon is probably the least funny of the franchise but the jokes are better because they're more real Mm -hmm. and then of course obviously family like you said Riggs and murtaugh become a family murtaugh's family is huge in bringing martin back martin riggs back around it 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 saves him in a lot of ways. It's obviously yeah. very central to the story. I mean, hell, we even get the point where his, his daughter gets kidnapped. So family is, is, I would say, even more integral to the story of Lethal Weapons, certainly than Die Hard, where you have an estranged wife. Like, who the fuck is motivated to save their estranged wife from a, a terrorist? I mean, Jesus right. Christ, oh, you, know she's got, yeah. you know she's got a great insurance policy. What what should I tell McLean should have done this? was leave that hussy up there on the 89th floor and fucking cash his checks. Oh man, this is you bad. know Nakatomi Nakatomi Corporation's got some so so we, survivor benefits. We know for sure that I'm if this scumbag? yeah if fine. this happened at your employee party, I would dip so fast. You would you would essentially <laughs> join forces with Hans Gruber and say, "Hey, you got killer, you got killer." Yeah, I got, I got, I hold the policy. <laughs> I will take, I will take one bearer bond. Yeah, just give me some of those notes, dude. Yeah, give me no some of those sweet yeah. Takagi notes. Uh, you, you'd see me climbing around in an air duct. Yeah, to get the oh, out Jesus. of dodge. No, that you, if you were in the air duct, it'd be like the scene from Gremlins where she explains how her dad tried to come down the chimney and they didn't find him for three months. <laughs> he was dead. <laughs> hey, man, I got broad shoulders. That's not my fault. Uh, all right. So I agree with all those things, but these elements are all present in Die Hard as well, because what is more joyful than a bunch of rich white collar schmucks celebrating the end of the year after they've made a fuckload of money? 
and the movie is very family centric. John McClane knows yeah, Ellis he's loves screwed cocaine. Up. That's always good for the kids. Yeah. Yep. Ellis Ellis has no chance. All right. <laughs> uh, John McClane knows he's ruined his marriage by being a hard headed, you know, guy. He's that's just who he is, and he's come to set things right. He wants to be a family again. He misses his kids. It hurts him that Holly has moved on. And of course, holiday spirit, this is a Christmas party. People are festive. People are enjoying themselves. There's nothing more Christmas season than rich people having sex in other people's offices (laughs) and doing drugs, right? So I want to say this as the person who is I'm going to call myself the middle party right here between you two. I think that's fair. Even though I just gave my one sentence description for, for, for lethal weapon here, I will, I will tell you this. You talked about John McClane realizes he was really hard headed and whatnot. However, it goes both ways. My friends, Holly Gennaro or Holly McClane in this instance could have not been that selfish. She could have tried hard to want to keep herself and her family together with John in New York. New York is the is the is this amazing workplace where you can find anything. She didn't have to move 3000 miles away to Los Angeles to work at Nakatomi. She could have worked somewhere else in New York, but she chose, "No, I'm going to put myself first instead of putting the family first." Now, John McClane should have done the same thing, of course, not being as hard-headed as he was. But there was there should have been more compromise there than there was. And I'm sorry, fellas. That's that's you know, you if you're gonna put some some blame on John, you gotta put a little blame on Holly too. Okay, but that's that's a good segue because the second part of this is is the Christmas setting central to the plot of the movie? And I'll start here because yes, it is. There has to be a major reason for John to go to L.A. That's how pig-headed this dude is. He has to have a good reason to go. And this is a great reason to go because he can see his kids. He brings them a present. He's got the giant teddy bear on the plane. He's out there really like not expecting much, right? He goes to this party because he knows this is big for her. And he's just like, hey, it's Christmas. Who knows what can happen? I mean, he's making plans to sleep at his retired sergeant's house in friggin' uh, Malibu. Ramona. Ram- Pomona. Ramona. <laughs> Thank you, Ramona. Shout out to Ramona. Yeah. Happy retired out here? So, it, you know, like, this guy is like living on a prayer. Can the Christmas spirit save his marriage? At the very least, can he re-endear himself to his children who have no reason why dad's not around? It's, it's really sad stuff. Now, Christmas is also the reason that Nakatomi Plaza is mostly vacant, which Hans Gruber clearly planned for, right? Like he's after this one dude. He has monitored these this guy and he's like, hey, this guy's going to throw a balls out Christmas party where his right hand man is doing more blow than Scarface on a Tuesday. This yeah. It has to be Christmas. It has to. I don't buy it. You don't buy it. I don't buy it. I so if, don't he went, buy if he the- went there on like a on like a regular Friday, you think Nakatomi is going to be closed down? This is LA dude, that building's up. It's still under construction and presumably they're the only occupants of it. Okay. So well, fine. But you tell me work why hours, it should be empty. It should, well, you tell there, me there why shouldn't be anybody there. Why do you need weapon? hostages to escape? Why do you need lethal weapon that to have a Christmas setting? 
why do the weapon need to have a Christmas setting? Yeah, tell me, please. A hundred percent. Because you why, can't why? get invited to Christmas dinner at the end of the movie if it's not Christmas. No, well, that's Further. called that's called Sunday dinner, asshole. Everybody does and, Sunday dinner. And you need to have you need to have that emotional Riggs has to be so close to death. He has been dealing with whatever this trauma is, but it is the fact that it is the Christmas season that it's coming to a head. That's why. He's willing to run and gun through a Christmas tree. Oh, that's lot. why By it's way, coming that's, into head. Not the fact that he's drinking fucking Miller <laughs> genuine. He's draft. drinking Miller because he's sad because he's <laughs> 8 a.m. Christmas without his wife, the love of his life. He's living in a van I just want down to remind by the you, beach with a border collie. This is a character who in later movies eats dog biscuits to stop from smoking. All right. He doesn't need a reason to do much of anything. Hey, he's just a fact, weird guy. I was uh I was on a diet a year years ago. It was kind of like an elimination diet. And uh, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and I started, I was like, well, if I didn't want to eat too much, so I started snacking on the dog biscuits because I figured, you know, they had nutrients, they had some carbs, they had something in there that, I, that would fill me up, but I wouldn't, they didn't taste good, so I wouldn't just keep eating them, right? Long story long, my friends, you can't I, be eating dog biscuits, dude. I ended up in the hospital, <laughs> yeah, no, shit. yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not because of you, why you think, did you it's tell not the of doctor, intestinal blockage, um. <laughs> I was I was out walking and uh, I started licking my ass in the middle of the street and got hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Did you tell your doctor the eggs were a lie, Stephen? They gave me no eagle powers. They gave me no nutrients. <laughs> so, I think we're at a standstill there. Now, yeah, the third I... the, the third point doesn't matter for either movie because our Christmas characters present. No, because this isn't fantasy land. <laughs> No, I mean, I think the closest we get in either one is uh, sending whatever, the tiny-footed terrorist down the... Uh... After he takes the stuff off the plastic Santa. Yeah, and he's got yeah. the ho-ho-ho on his chest. That's yeah. the closest thing we get to a Santa in that movie. And I think the closest thing we get to a Christmas character in Lethal Weapon is some carolers. There, are, there, there, there is a, a troop of caroling cops in, uh, in Police HQ. I don't think that counts as a Christmas character, yeah, but so. there's some there's some seasonality there. Will we allow the Christmas tree itself to be a Christmas character when we have the cop car blast through Murtaugh's house and run over the Christmas well, tree? Well, in both we movies, allow it? Christmas trees are present. Multiple Christmas yeah. trees. Nakatomi's got one in the lobby. Yeah. It's got there's one. way more in Lee Lebanon because there's yeah. a whole lot of them. That's true. Literally oh, yeah. a Christmas tree lock. Because nothing that full Christmas scene that like I just talked about is also like deal. one of the more iconic <laughs> Christmas that, that, tree lot. That's that's fair. That is fair. Also, also can we talk about how how a a cigar box full of cocaine bags is not worth a hundred. It's G's, not worth hundred. Just so we're clear. <laughs> uh, also, uh, what I like most about that scene though is you get the really ridiculous. This was an '80s thing where the guy just rolls and shoots. Yeah, yeah. It's like this this doesn't work. That's not that's not how accurate shots happen. Yeah. Uh we we get Riggs doing the three stooges. He 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 eye boinks him, slaps him in the head, does the curly, you know, yeah. bone head slap. It's good. It's yep. Good. Yeah. He 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 does also, which was super prevalent in the eighties and nineties, like being a martial artist, you know, uh, with with the iconic fight scene with Joshua. Oh my god, yeah, it's so yeah. good! And I, I actually read a little bit about that. How they they trained in for the time non traditional martial arts to make it seem like two special forces guys fighting. So like, 
They trained in well, like, I Capoeira, can tell you, it, Muay Thai. It looked like they didn't train much at all. <laughs> no, and they trained a lot, which was really weird. Uh, it's a great fight scene, though, man. Love that one. Can we it's all great. agree? Okay, we, we're, we're going to argue like about a lot of things tonight, but can we agree that the best Mel Gibson is like late 80s, wet, shirtless Mel Gibson? I, Mel Gibson was an all-timer until yeah, he, he lost himself. his mind. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he was an all-timer. It's From really Mad insane. Max to Braveheart. He, I would say all timer. I would say after the Passion of the Christ is when we went ahead and saw him just go ahead and just kerplump. And yet he still on. made great movies after that. And it was just kind of like I mean, felt a guilty cop, watching. Apocalypto, so. Apocalypto. Well, Hacksaw Ridge one? is a really good movie. Oh, Hacksaw Ridge is great. Did you watch uh did you watch the gringo, the one where he was like in the Mexican prison? Get the gringo, of course I watched. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. It was really and good. He's the, he's the villain in Expendables 3, is he not? Yeah. Conrad yeah. Stonebanks. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't know these things. No, you shouldn't. Uh, I, I saw a movie where he's actually Santa, but like because of capitalism, oh, yeah. he's going out of business. Yeah. And he Wait, kills wh- this little shithead kid. Yeah. What's, what is that? That's called uh, Fat Man. The Fat Man. Yeah. Yeah. That was really funny. Mel Gibson. What a guy. Seriously. Freaking legend. Out of his mind. But what a legend. Anyway. All right. And on that note, we're going to take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to provide the evidence that we have that our movie, that being either Die Hard or Lethal Weapon, is the definitive action Christmas movie. Oh my God, you're going down so hard. Hello and welcome back to the 221st episode of Hops and Box Office Flops and the last of season five. It is our Christmas special where we are debating... Which is the better Christmas movie, Die Hard or Lethal Weapon? We are into round two of our debate. This one is a round robin style where each team will present their evidence to why their movie is the best action movie that is also a Christmas movie. Now, J-Man, as our guest and uh, being on team Lethal Weapon, I will let you guys go first. We can just switch hit. Sounds good. Well, again, so as I was stating earlier, we it's there's two different evidences of big family when it comes to both of these films that are presented in different ways. But whereas in Die Hard, you're going ahead and seeing a man trying to reconnect with his family. In Lethal Weapon, you're seeing Riggs be alone and Murtaugh bring him into his family. It, it, you know, we talked about all the trauma that Riggs has had and the suicidal tendencies, which are very evident throughout the entire film of Lethal Weapon. And yet somehow, some way, Murtaugh is able to go ahead and bring this guy back from the jaws of, of, of suicide, really, and reacquaint him with reality of where he can find someone that will accept him, love him, and appreciate him for what he is and help him realize he's not alone in this world. I think a lot of people need that um, during these times. Blake was talking about it, how, you know, the holidays can be a, can do a real number on people mentally and emotionally. And we see that firsthand in the lethal weapon movie and the entire Murtaugh family at no point in time, were they not accepting of Martin? They were always accepting of him. And then from the next, from there all the way throughout the entire four films in the series, 
He's a part of that family, 100%. There's no question about it. It's that's that's Murtaugh's brother. He's the uncle to their kids. That's that's um, Trish's brother there. Like and, and that point, you just realize they threw everything out the window and said, I don't care what it is that's going on. I'm going to love you because you have my back and I'm going to welcome you into my family. That's a lot deeper than my first point, but it's because it's the whole George Bailey thing, right? Like he, Oh Jesus. He, no, he'd rather, no. he, you know, he thinks that the world is better off without him and Murtaugh and the Murtaugh family shows Martin Riggs that no, the world is better off with him in it. And because of that, uh, okay. They bring right. him back from the edge. Yeah. Okay. It's, um, it's, it's a retelling of it's a wonderful life. Can you I hear first folks? Can I ask you a question? Oh, Yes. Can I ask you a major question, Bling Blake? Uh, what did they say when they're talking about how perhaps the hooker was in the apartment with uh, the guy's daughter when she jumped to her death? It's paper thin. Thin. At one point, he goes, thin, huh? He says, anorexic. <laughs> um <laughs> That is That's a great. That is what a callback. So does. so paper thin, and my simple one is the use of Christmas as a setting is so crucial to Die Hard that this guy goes through hell on Christmas to get his family back. That Die Hard Two Die Harder is set during Christmas. Look, I'm gonna let because it's like how could this happen again to this poor bastard. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little secret, T-Dubs. There is one reason why both Die Hard and Die Hard 2 are set at Christmas. And the answer to that is Lethal Weapon. Joel Silver, the producer of both, knew after the success of Lethal Weapon that he was going to be able to get residual checks every December until he died and his kids would get them too and their grandkids also that they decided to make sure that they kept the Christmas setting of Die Hard in the movie. Well, and they did the exact same okay. thing for Die Hard 2 for the exact same reason. It's all Question. about residual checks and the proof of concept was a little film you might have heard of Called Lethal Weapon. Okay, so why wasn't Predator set at Christmas? Because Shane didn't write it, and they hadn't <laughs> learned that yet. Shane did script Doctor Predator, <laughs> and so here's and here's the big refute to that point is that Shane Black frequently uses Christmas in his writing, and to no real effect. And here's my second True. point, right? Like the main reference by to Christmas by the characters in Lethal Weapon are all so. You know, they're they're not important. They're immaterial to the proceedings. It's people saying Merry Christmas. It's a dude holding eggnog and getting shot through the carton. By the way, who the fuck drinks eggnog out of a carton? What kind of savage is Tom Atkins? Excuse me, sir. I am that kind of savage. I will drink <laughs> eggnog out of a carton. I will drink it in a box. I will drink it with a fox. I drank it tonight, and I'm going to drink it later tonight. <laughs> Blink Blake will drink it in his house. He'll drink it with a mouse. He'll drink it on his boat. He'll drink it paddling up a moat. I mean, I was gonna. You could have added goat, drink but... it with a spouse too. But hey, yeah, yeah. I'll drink it while watching a goat, as uh, in the greatest of all time Christmas action movie, Little Weapon. Obviously, he won't drink it with his spouse because he's so willing to let her get murdered by the terrorists. 
Look, I almost told Mrs. Bling to move out of the house because she was taking your side, T-Dubs. I ain't even fucking having yeah. it right now. Now, now, <laughs> so here's, now, hold on. Before I let you go, go J-Man, the Christmas go references ahead. in Die Hard actually play into the plot, right? When he kills the terrorist and he puts the Santa hat on him, he writes, now I've got a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Uh, one of the terrorists... He could have put him in Easter Bunny ears and said, now i got a machine gun, boing, boing, boing. That, he could have said it. Nobody says that, so no. He could have <laughs> said, said it. He, who says I have a machine gun? Ho, 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 other than John McClane. One John time. Motherfucking McClane says it. And what about when Theo recites the night before Christmas as he's hacking things? And as the cops are coming, they're storming the building. By the way, my favorite bit role in all of Die Hard is the asshole SWAT cop who's like, bring in the car. <laughs> bring in the car. So here's what I was going to say in regards to both of you. The problem with Die Hard, which again is amazing, and I, I love it dearly, is that in the five films, two of them are also set in under holidays, man. So like, there you go. Like that, that there you go right there. You look at, we talked about live free or die hard. When does that take place? That takes place 4th of July weekend, right? Yeah. Well, so does it, the story of, or your point of saying lethal weapon can work anywhere else during the time. That's not Christmas. Obviously die hard. The story does the same thing because you look at, with a vengeance with a vengeance doesn't even take place during a holiday it takes during a basic ass time in new york city right yes it's but new- that's all over new york city and new york's always okay. busy so you wouldn't that's have fa- to use that's fair holiday but then live free or die hard fourth of july weekend in washington dc if i'm not mistaken am i right yes 100%. Yeah. okay uh-huh. and then they're not even in the where aren't they where are they in good day or to a good day to die hard are they even in the in, in Mother Russia car drive? Exactly. <laughs> Uzbekistan, motherfuckers. <laughs> My point exactly. So that I think, and Blake, I don't know if you agree, but I think that takes away from how do I put this? The spirituality of the goadedness of how we consider Die Hard, because all the other films can just be easily set during another time. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm about to play my trump card. Because this is a big Trump card. So why don't you go ahead, Link Blake, offer your latest nonsensical argument, of which you're a master. You're the worst lawyer ever. You're like my cousin Vinny. You're, he's a master <laughs> debater. Hello. Vincent Gambino is a legend in the legal community. The case cracker. Me in the shower. <laughs> I miss disposable cameras. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my, my, my evidentiary list here. First of all, did you J-Man, submit this evidentiary list? It's, uh, I put it in for discovery. It's your, it's your, it's your responsibility to come get it. Uh, J man, I, I love you. I think you might be breaking the rules of civil procedure on bringing in the sequels to, okay. to rebut T Dub's argument. I like where your head's at because I'm all I just, about fighting I only, dirty. Wow. I only okay. brought it Objection up. Objection sustained. <laughs> I only brought it up because he was mentioning the fact that Lethal Weapon could go ahead and take place during any time Agreed. throughout the 12 month calendar. And I was just proving his point against his film yeah. because his sequels do the same thing. And you can say the same thing about how every action movie, not every action movie, but but a lot of action movies since Die Hard have been described as Die Hard, 
in a whatever. whatever. Well, it right. created an entire category. Yes, the one 100%. man alone, which, right. can which is clearly take place anywhere. So which is right. you can one of my favorite weapon. Exactly. In the same way Lethal Weapon created the real action buddy comedy series. Damn right. Mm, 48 hours. 48 hours did. 48 that is a stretch and a half. 48 hours totally did. It's four years. It's three years earlier. It is the perfect mismatched buddy comedy. Also has several elements that have aged poorly. All right. So look, here's what it comes down to is that I know we could go round and round on this. So I'm going to give you some quick lightning round rapid fire here's why lethal weapon wins this debate okay okay but they're all going to be wrong so i I can't say that because that's not debate rules but i'm just telling you my trump card will bury them my trump card will drop them off of nakatomi tower like my man john mcclain did hans gruber yippee kaye motherfucker go ahead here's here's one for you t-dubs making you just eat shit real quick there's a better climax in lethal weapon than there is in die hard that's a lie but the miss mr joshua dying dies way harder than hans gruber does no because the beauty of hans gruber's death is that he didn't know it was the take that they were going to drop him and that's Again, why he looks so surprised. yeah yeah beside, behind the scenes things where he fell onto a mat four feet down oh we we scared the theater actor in his first hollywood film Way to go, you guys. Yeah, way, way to go, McTiernan. Really also, getting the best out of your guys. Gary Busey was doing so much of the heroin that they were supposedly selling. No, Gary Busey's on a lot of things in that movie, but heroin's, heroin's not, one, not of one of them. Yeah, he'd I be agree. asleep. He's definitely maybe cocaine for sure. Well, he I did mean, love cocaine. They all were. He, he was a he was a big coke guy. God, you know, it was funny just watching this again. Just speaking to Gary Busey, like he was so seeing him at the peak of his powers. Good. God, he was so good. Like, he's incredible. He was a really good bad guy. This, I think this is the first time he played a bad guy. And thankfully, he crushed it because otherwise he might not have gotten drop zone, which. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, where he's he's wearing sleeveless (laughs) tees and he's he's no longer super handsome. Nope. Uh, I did get Predator 2, though. So We got Predator 2. Also starring. Danny Glover, baby. That's true. That's very. Do you think he remembered who Danny Glover was after all those years? Like, hey, no doubt. Who are you? Do we work together? No, he was just like, yeah, we did the guy with the the scope on a six shooter. Yeah, we did what? (laughs) Lethal weapon. I don't remember that. All right, rapid fire, lightning round coming at you. Number one, Shane fucking Black. I think that's a counterpoint to your argument because Whatever. he makes all his movies of a Christmas setting and none of them actually use Christmas in meaningful ways. Whatever reindeer cough, games. Cough, cough. Iron Man. Number three. two. Darlene Love. That's right. Trish Murtaugh. Darlene Love. The darling. The musical genius who Pun to intended, this day by the way. Yeah, to this day does a Christmas concert in New York City every single year. Darlene God Love. Bless her soul. Christmas movie. God bless God. her. What's our opening song? Oh, yeah. Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah. Right. Which is way more of a Christmas song than Ode to Joy, which probably predates Jesus. That shit's so old. <laughs> Christmas tree lot gunfight. Yep. A dude jumps out of a Christmas tree with a shotgun, kills his buddy, and then he gets killed by. Riggs. 
mm-hmm. Christmas movie. There is not just one reference to Christmas dinner, which happens at the gun range, but the movie ends at Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat a- this again. shitty ass Christmas Immaterial. turkey by myself. Immaterial. It could be a Thanksgiving dinner. It could be anything. It does not matter. That's Christmas. We're not debating what's the best Thanksgiving movie because there aren't any of those. Bullshit. There are planes, trains, and I just, automobiles. I just my saw friend. one. Yeah. Yeah. It's called, called Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. And of course, our final fight happens in a neighborhood. Neighborhood yep. surrounded by Christmas lights and Christmas yep. imagery, again, and a, and a car r- running through a house and running over a Christmas totally tree. Totally immaterial to the proceedings. It could be anything. And here's the trump card. And this is what it wins the argument, no matter what, because no matter what you think, you're wrong. Because Die Hard is part of the cultural zeitgeist as a Christmas movie. There's a Nakatomi Tower Advent calendar. You can get John McClane jumping off the roof of Nakatomi Tower as your Christmas tree topper. There are countless ornaments. There are lethal weapon ornaments, but they're all just made by somebody. And all they say is, I'm too old for this shit. There's countless Christmas ornaments for Die Hard. And Christmas themed like drink and shot sets. It was just re-released in theaters for the holiday season. Die Hard is, is... the action Christmas movie. And the whole reason, and you can say Lethal Weapon is the better movie. Yeah, whatever, right? But just because Mel Gibson really loves Christmas, he fucked himself out of it being the cultural zeitgeist Christmas movie. Well, no, I mean, it's why it's not a Hanukkah movie for sure. But that being said, <laughs> he's so problematic. Capitalism wants no part of it. It's not. Lethal Weapon's fault that some dipshit on the internet capitalized on it and everybody and every lemming that only seen Die Hard one time and never saw Lethal Weapon just jumped on board. Because it's trendy to have this you argument. You act as if it's nobody It's trendy to have the weapon. argument. It's trendy to have the argument that, that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It makes you seem cool at the bar when you're in college, when you're trying to impress girls. But the reality is the real movie nerds know that Lethal Weapon is a superior Christmas movie for all of the above-mentioned reasons. It has a better redemptive story. It has more Christmas imagery, and it is... Uh, It's debatable whether there's more. It also takes place over way more days. Die Hard is a single night, which, by the way, Christmas Eve is a single night, and that's the magic of Christmas. That's not true either. I just read a story to my kid last night about how Santa works, and there's, you know... Christmas isn't even celebrated on the same day all over the world. Christmas Eve is a whole bunch of... In Russia, it's the middle of goddamn January. Okay, so both these movies are set in LA, which which means Christmas Christmas is is December 25th. (laughs) Don't bring that (laughs) weak-ass shit here. (laughs) And let's be honest. You you could bring all these crazy points in here, but it's just not true. You can't say let's be honest while you're actively being intellectually dishonest. Die Hard was not a movie the studio thought was going to succeed. They were worried about it. They had hired the actor from Moonlighting. They thought it was going to be a failure, yet it has endured and it is beloved. And that's not to say that Lethal Weapon is not, but one of them is recognized widely as being the gre- the best Christmas movie ever made. And one of them is recognized as being a great action movie, which it is, but not as a Christmas movie because what Shane Black does is he uses Christmas as wrapping paper. It has nothing to do with the film 
whatsoever. What holiday do you think is most closely associated with wrapping paper? Just off the top of your head. I, I was being facetious. <laughs> <laughs> it is just window dressing. Christmas does not matter to Lethal Weapon. What matters to Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon, as I said, great movie. It's a it's a redemptive story, and it is a story very much about like family and creating bonds and all those things. It has nothing to do with Christmas. You just described every Christmas movie. Did I? It's true. You did. I would I would like take you a lot more seriously if you didn't compare Martin Riggs to George Bailey. <laughs> 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 listen the only reason why george bailey wasn't contemplating suicide is that we weren't ready for that at that point in time but by the way that's jimmy stewart dealing with his own ptsd and his own suicidal thoughts oh he, yeah he i forgot about the scene where he's the like same story you saying sometimes i think about eating a bullet well yeah <laughs> But you know what? At that point in time, Jimmy Stewart was thinking about eating a bullet because he watched all of his friends die in World War II. He was effed up at that no, point. No, no. Back then, they they were you were expected to think that the war was all hunky dory and that everybody was a super huge hero and nobody had any trauma whatsoever. I just read about how many uh, vets they lobotomized after uh, World War II. That's. Because they were like, oh, well, he's got PTSD. He's fucking crazy or whatever. That's you know. not somewhere I expected this conversation to go. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. Forced yeah. lobotomies. <laughs> yeah, Either just, way, uh, yeah. Either way, you know, <laughs> the mental health aspect, you know, brings it back around. It's all about legal Absolutely. Yeah. This is true. This Much is cheerier. True. Plus, wow. Josh was a biblical name. So, boom. Lawyer. Hans <laughs> Gruber in the Bible. Dead. Well, Hans Gruber's a you know a Christmas hating. There's nobody in the Bible named Hans or Gruber. Oh, I'm, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Martin also a biblical name? I am pretty sure it is, fellas. Pretty sure. Luther. What about what about Riggs and Murtaugh? Are those biblical names? <laughs> oh, and and we get the amazing joke, the amazing Christmas joke. That uh, that Riggs gives us when they're getting the hell out of the torture chamber. Oh yeah, right? no, again. What did, what did one shepherd say to, to the movie. other? Let's get the flock out of here. It was a great joke. So random. Sorry, the guy's just been sneering and saying "fuck" the entire movie, and then after he gets tortured for ten minutes, he's like, "What did one shepherd say to the other?" And then, meanwhile, he shoots another guy in the face, and he gets stuck on a chain. It's like, oh. no, not Joshua. Keep going, yeah, Joshua. Wrong blonde haired man. All How right, many well, blonde haired mercenaries does that general employ? Oh, a lot. You don't Every think there's like them. a Timothy? <laughs> oh, there's got to be a Timothy. <laughs> he has several <laughs> young young men he employs. By the way, can hair. I also mention the fact that we see teamwork, and I understand that it's an only one person hero thing with Die Hard, but no, that's also bullshit because he's got Pal, he's got Al the whole time. You, yeah, which brings me to my point. He's going home for a, a late Christmas treat for his pregnant wife. No, the Twinkies are for her, for sure. Totally. Absolutely. Don't but here's a thing. shame, Al Powell, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. When they kill uh, what's homeboy's name at the end, not not Hans, but the guy that that Al ends up shooting. Um, 
Oh, that was uh, Carl. Yeah, the big blonde haired dude. Right, Carl. exactly. The trained ballerina. Carl. <laughs> Correct. Carl, yes. Who tortures they his brother and then is mad that he gets murdered. Exactly. They could have had it be that Al and John both shoot him up. But no, they only give it to Al. Whereas when they shoot up Joshua at the end of Lethal Weapon, it's both Riggs and Murtaugh murking I, Joshua. I, I don't think he together. No, no, that that Brotherly scene comes love. Full, full circle for Sergeant Al Powell. That is that is the perfect. I'm not saying moment. it's not. Yeah, I'm not it's saying it's not. He 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 earns that moment. I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm talking about from. It's about the camaraderie of the holiday season, gents. That's right. That's all uh, I'm saying. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. The holidays like murdering somebody in tandem. Like <laughs> it, it. Like if if Agreed. if if it was if it was Agreed. me and Bling Blake, you know, mur- murking a terrorist. People would love the fact that Bling Blake and I came together, linked arms, and double shot him up, as opposed to it being T Dubs just going right. ham, or or Bye. not even you T Dubs. It wouldn't even be you. It would be who would be your Al McCheese? Shout out to McCheese. McCheese would be. I you mean, know, McCheese would have been asleep by the time that yeah. fight happened. McCheese would have yes. left me at Nakatomi Tower. Exactly. He would have been like, "No, sir, you could drag me away." He'd be like, "I'm gonna go sleep in my car." Yeah, there's a there's a there's a buffet tray over here. I'm yeah. gonna be visiting the cold cuts. Yeah. You do whatever you gotta do, Wayne. I'm, I'm busy, Dwayne. Do whatever you gotta do. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, it's it's all about the joint murder. I think that brings us together, and Absolutely. just like that, you know, you you and me, J Man, you know, bi coastal, biracial murder team. Let's do this, brother. Let's. It, I mean, I mean yeah, that is that is a phrase. Right? For sure, as we should. That's you the whole point. Just, you and me should start a private eye agency. We should. I would 100% do it. Yes, <laughs> let's do it, man. Magnum XLPIs. <laughs> Lightning and Thunder Mifflin. <laughs> uh, all right, Lethal well, podcasters, you're welcome. You know it me. seems we're at a standstill. And listeners, you can decide who was the true winner of this. But what we're going to yes. do is we're going to offer you our recommendations for the week. And mm. uh, we're going to let our man, J-Man, our guest, our, our much beloved guest, kick us off. What do you, what recommendations do you have, J-Man? Well, f- uh, fellas, first of all, as always, always, always a treat to hang out with you guys. T-Dubs knows I literally listen to you every fucking week. Love it. Love when Fridays roll around and Hops is on. I'm like, all right, here we go. I really enjoyed the Just Friends episode. Shout out to Ryan Reynolds. And you're absolutely right. Amy Smart hasn't done a damn thing, but it's okay. It's okay, Amy. We still love you. We got you. Um, Got a couple of recommendations right now. I haven't finished this film, so let me finish it. But I just started Gran Turismo, which is now streaming on Netflix. Um, It is really enjoyable right now. I'm 45 minutes in. It is, yes, based on the game, but it's not just based on the game. It's also based on when Nissan went ahead and uh, decided to do the GT Academy a few years ago, and they were taking all these racing simulators all over the world, these sim racers, and basically put them all together, and whoever was the fastest one, they chose to go ahead and make them into a real race car driver. So that story is a true story. And that is what the basis of the Gran Turismo movie is. And as of right now, it's been a lot of fun. Jajamon Hansu is in it. Um, Orlando Bloom, homeboy from Stranger Things, who I'm forgetting, I'm blanking on his name right now. David um, Harbour. 
Harbor. Thank you, David Harbor. Um, as is uh, J- Jerry Halliwell Horner, a.k.a. Ginger Spice. Shout out to the Spice Girls. Let's go. Um, so, again, really enjoying it right now. I'm 45 minutes in, so i got to finish it up, but I think it's good. Um, T-Dubs and Bling Blake. I did watch Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny last week. I finished it up. It's good if you like Indiana Jones. It's not the best one. Harrison Ford is fantastic. It's a long one, but if you commit, it ends up being worth your time because you get a chance to go and see Harrison Ford be his best character and throughout his entire career. So I highly recommend it's streaming right now, as you guys all know, on Disney+. And then um, uh, as a holiday movie, um, I I mentioned this earlier, but um, I did watch Journey to Bethlehem which is a musical based on, you know, Mary and Joseph and, you know, the birth of baby Jesus and whatnot. It's got Antonio Banderas in it. Shout out to Antonio Banderas, who is isn't also he, in Dial- Isn't he baby Jesus just with, he's like a baby with his face? With, with, with the thickness of the Spanish accent of like, <laughs> they call me baby in the manger. Like, I am baby Jesus. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man, it's good. But I, I really enjoyed it. And it's available to go ahead and I think buy on Vudu and on Amazon and all that good stuff. And again, it's just a fun take on, of course, this, the 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 story of Christmas, you know, and, and, and whatnot. It's a musical. And uh, yeah, if you if you enjoy, if you want to add another holiday movie to your collection, go check that one out. I really enjoyed that. OK, uh, I'm curious to see the scene where you and Blink Blake show up and do your double murder. <laughs> Because that is part of the story of Christmas, after all. Obviously. You know, what it would be was I would be wearing my Ray-Bans, Bling Blink would go ahead and let down his locks, and we would look at each other like we were in Pulp Fiction, and then we would have the saxophone from the Lethal Weapon soundtrack, just be like, and you just hear, pop, 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 pop. Merry Christmas, bitches. I mean, if Bling Blake was one character in cinema, he would be Vincent Vega. Fact. I just shot Marvin in the face, man. (laughs) All right, Blink Blake, what do you have for us this week? Uh, My recommendations this week are in no way Christmas related, despite uh, the theme this week. I caught on Netflix. Yes, Netflix, Leave the World Behind. Came out last week. Last week. Two weeks ago. Yeah, like a week ago. Got to watch that. Yeah, Ethan Hawke, Julia Roberts, Marshala Ali. Man, it's fun. Uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's not fun. It's kind of heavy subject matter, but you know, it's the end of the world. Uh, right. And I always love those kinds of movies. And it's good. It's the the cinematography does such a good job of making you feel uncomfortable just because of camera angles. Um, I don't know. It just does a really good job of, of feeling. And of course, I'll have to tell you guys that that Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts and Marshall Ali are fantastic actors, all of them. So also produced by the GOAT. Shout out to former President Barack Obama. Let's go. Let's go, man. Um, so it's really good. I, I really liked it. I think you will too. Um, so check that one out. And Speaking of action things that I love, Reacher season two came out on Amazon Prime this week. If you didn't watch season one, do that. If you don't know the Jack Reacher stories, they're awesome. I even like the Tom Cruise movies, but uh, Alan Richson doing Reacher, he is he is perfect casting. 
He does an amazing job. This show is a, a ton of fun. Uh, so yeah, Reacher season two, definitely check that out. Okay. Yeah. I loved Reacher. Uh, I love the first Tom Cruise movie. The second one is. Yeah. First one was good. Second one was me. I'm with you. Um, so my recommendations are twofold. Uh, first being airheads is now available to stream on Hulu. Um, it's a real blast from the past for me. Uh, It's incredibly stupid film about incredibly stupid criminals taking over a radio station to get their demo tape on the air. Uh, It's still very funny and I have loads of nostalgia for it. And of course you get a great, very young Adam Sandler and very young Brendan Fraser. And then second, if you love movies as obviously we do on this podcast, you should read Matt Singer's opposable thumbs, how Siskel and Ebert changed movies forever. You know, it's been quite some time since the show aired and both have subsequently passed away. Uh, but the book is an awesome glimpse into how they really revolutionized film criticism and a lot of great insight into those two uh, critics who honestly were two of the best film critics ever. And uh, sadly, both passed away uh, due to unfortunate circumstances. And probably too young, uh, especially Siskel. So, remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HobsonVOFOPS. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. Again, we're going to be leaving Twitter soon, but. We're still there for now. Uh, Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. Chumpsilla can be found at Chumpsilla8 on Twitter. And Bling Blake can be found at Bling Blake on Twitter. McCheese, unfortunately, was the last of the hostages on the roof of Nakatomi Tower. And he did not make it. Oh, I thought he got pushed off the tower at the beginning of Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I mean, could... (laughs) Same could be the same. He missed the crash pad. <laughs> you guys didn't know about uh, Mary Cheese's short foray into softcore porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It ended poorly. Yeah. So, and uh, J Man again. Give us your plugs before we close. Yeah, for out sure. T Dubs and I are going to finish up the Double Turn podcast here in the next few weeks. He's going to be my guest, Bling Blake. You're more than welcome to go ahead and come on for the final episode of the Double Turn podcast. I want to go ahead and put a bow on that, baby. It's been a lot of fun to do that. You know, talking about professional wrestling for like four years, um, but uh, it's time to move on. I'm still going to keep the Twitter. Uh, active although again elon musk is also a pain in my ass so i might just go ahead and leave that sucker too but if you still enjoy any type of podcasting whatsoever i am involved heavily with tormenting tarmac which is car culture and again it's at tormenting tarmac on instagram and tormenting tarmac wherever you stream your podcasts and uh fellas as always thank you thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to go ahead and come and hang out talk movies with you guys you guys are some of my best friends in the entire space. Uh, I appreciate you all. Uh, to all of your listeners, I wish them an incredible happy holiday season and a very wonderful new year. And to you guys, uh, including Captain Cash, Chumzilla, and McCheese, wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a safe new year, okay? We appreciate it, J-Man. We love to so have good you having you here, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. Um, anytime. Thank you for being on the good guy side for this one. <laughs> uh, listen, listeners. These, these movies fucking rock. Yeah, but listeners, facts. it's up to you which is the better Christmas movie. Honestly, it's totally a subjective debate. It's this is a stupid debate. I watch both of them every year. They're so much fun. I love these movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I, I really do think Die Hard is probably the better movie, but I well, am going to. I, yeah, I am going to die on my hill that that Lethal Weapon created the action movie Christmas movie genre idea, and uh, and it is the a superior choice. Tell us As in the comments, listeners, what what you guys think. It, sure. And I yeah. swear, if anybody comes at comes at us saying, "Oh, Batman Returns is the greatest." Christmas movie ever you're gone you're done you have no thoughts like you're you're fired there is yeah, no Jesus yeah. in the DCEU just so we're clear well no I mean everybody <laughs> thinks Superman is Jesus which is not true That's but true. uh anyways if you enjoy the show please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. be sure to like share and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes in the end listeners remember one thing what did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? Let's Too get old the for this shit. Black out of here. We'll see you in 2024 with our first series of season six hops and aging action star flops. Yes, I was so depressed after revisiting Expendables Floor, Expendables Four. I had to discuss it with people. We've also got Rambo: Last Blood and a couple others on that docket. Should be a lot of fun, yet also slightly depressing. I might have to come back on for that, fellas. For sure. <laughs>